You, you want to see something really scary? What's the boogeyman? As a matter of fact, it was. I am the devil, and I am here to do the devil's work. Welcome to the Grave Plot Podcast. Welcome everybody to episode 206. Two, two zeros. What are we? What was your problem? Oh, 206 is good. We're up in the 206. Oh. <laughs> Episode 2. No, you usually go 206. Do I say 206? Yeah. Whatever. It, it doesn't matter. Is it that big of a deal? It's just weird. So is your face. Well, yeah, but Kelly Ripa. <laughs> <laughs> this is episode 206. No! Of the Grave Plot Podcast, I'm Skeletoni. I'm, uh, what the fuck's my name? <laughs> I'm Taylor of Terror. Mud. My name is Mud. <laughs> uh, hi guys, we're back. This is five straight weeks of Grave Plot, That's so too, you're too welcome. <laughs> it's funny, but my girlfriend was like, <clears throat> I thought you guys were taking, or she said, I thought you guys were done after Halloween. I was like, forever? <laughs> <laughs> and she was like, well, I thought you'd take a break. And I'm like. We did. <laughs> yeah. We recorded two weeks ago. Uh, but yeah, no. Uh, back to your regular to, scheduled yeah, program. This is uh, our, our normal broadcast now. Um, this is, yeah, officially 206. We, we always, we always uh, offset the, the, the numbering for Octoberama because they they're, they're their own thing. It's its own thing. Yeah, we've uh, we've actually put out like I don't know, maybe close to three hundred episodes. I mean, probably. Yeah, I mean, we put out essentially. We take off the month of October and put out four extra episodes that we don't count. So nine years. What's nine times four is what thirty six. We put out two hundred and sixty episodes. Two hundred and sixty. This is episode two six one of the Grave Plot Podcast. Wait, no, that's what's nine times six? No, nine times four is. 36. Yeah. Yeah. I can do math sometimes. Uh, anyway, yeah, so uh, we're... Yeah, so... Yeah, so... Uh, I mean, the day we're recording this, this is still October 30th, so we... Sorry, 29th. But we, so we have not actually passed Halloween yet. So we're still in the, in the spirit of the season. That's right. But you guys are not. You're looking forward to Thanksgiving or... I don't know, Veterans Day? <laughs> or maybe Christmas. Christmas is coming up. I'm sure some people are already looking forward to Christmas, yeah. I'm looking forward to Christmas. I look forward to Christmas every year. Kim, I mean, on the subject of you know us still being pre-ween, um, <laughs> why is everyone suddenly talking about the movie Satan's Little Helper and acting like it's good? I don't, I, I don't know. Taylor, I don't know. <laughs> I've I've been seeing that too. I I think that it's getting like some kind of like special Blu-ray release or something. So I think that's probably what's prompting people to talk about it. 
But I don't know why this movie has gotten some kind of cult following. Yeah, like I've I've even like I've seen reviews that say like, yeah, I thought it was terrible the first time, and then I rewatched it, so you should rewatch it, and now it's good. And I'm like, I doubt it. Yeah, I mean, I've I've been wrong before, but I have very strong doubts about that movie, and I'm pretty sure I have seen it more than once. It's not good. It's not good. <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's a it's a novel idea, but it's it's not not good, and it's it's I think it's more. Uh, I'd say it's better carried out. In the short of the night that little Billy raised hell. Yeah. Because it's the same premise. Basically, yeah. Except way better. Right. Because it has Billy Boswick. Or Barry Boswick. <laughs> Who's Barry Boswick? <laughs> Remember that commercial? Who's Barry Badgernath? Who's Barry Badgernath? Who's Barry Badgernath? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't understand it. But, you know, people going to do what they going to do. I guess, yeah. And now all we've done is put it out there that we hate it, so all our Patreon patrons are going to suggest it next Patreon pick episode. Max. Probably Max, yeah. He's an asshole. Ass. Anyway, what's up, Taylor? I was trying to segue you there to the Patreon gimmick. Oh. Okay. Well... <laughs> Uh, I guess now's the perfect time to, to thank... Oh, you know, speaking of Patreon. To thank those lovely characters over on Patreon, our grave diggers, as we so affectionately call them. Very affectionately. So affectionately. Mm. Um, nighttime. <laughs> because things are sexier at night. <laughs> Day sex isn't sexy. Can be. Uh, it can be, <laughs> but it, it's, uh, I don't know, something about doing it in the day is just, it lacks a uh, certain passion, je ne sais quoi, <laughs> um, what the French call les incompetents. <laughs> First thing in the morning though, that's, sometimes that's cool. Yeah. Unless I'm real tired. I'm just like, mm, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, baby. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, so these characters, they help uh, finance this ridiculous little show that we make here where we talk about having sex in the morning. <laughs> um, uh, it's not an expensive show we run, but it does cost money. We have to pay for a website and, you know, hosting fees on our or mp3s and you know any other little things that come up you know if something breaks we got to fix it otherwise you know no podcast and nobody wants that that's true <laughs> um these people i'm speaking of are of course <clears throat> carlos rodella gory b movie max zaleski aaron meyer bob Voorhees, and kevin nesgoda Thank you so much, guys, from the bottoms of our hearts. It's great to have you. Uh, sure. So, let's go with that. 
Taylor, if anybody else wants to join the party, where can they go? You can go to patreon.com slash graveplotpodcast. For as little as $1, you get special things like being able to pick a movie for Patreon picks episodes, uh, or for for $5, uh, you can join us live on Discord every episode, including right now. We are live right now. It's true. I, I see us right now. We're live. Uh, yep. So, back to what we were talking about. How's it going, Taylor? What's new? Uh, not much. Yep. Yeah, getting ready to go to the zoo tomorrow. Yeah, we're, we're going to the zoo. Going to, yeah, me and Tony, going to the zoo, pumpkin bash at the zoo. I think that's what they call it, pumpkin bash. We're going to bash each other with pumpkins. <laughs> that's right. Bash, Until they ask us to away. leave. <clears throat> just bash and bash the dog. <laughs> yeah, we're just going to we're, we're gonna sneak pumpkins in and then just hit each other with them until they ask us to leave. Yeah. We're gonna see it's an annual I, tradition. <laughs> I'm going to see how many times I can throw a pumpkin at Taylor before it breaks. Yep. Or he does. Record is seven. <laughs> the best ones are the small little sugar pumpkins. Those take forever. That's right. <laughs> um, yeah, we're going to take... Uh, yeah, it's going to be us, the gals. We're going to bring uh, bring Junior with us. And my mom. Your mom. Mom. So we're spanning three generations. Yep. Not of different families. No different families. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got uh, the you got the kid a uh, a werewolf costume. I, think, I can't remember if I talked about this on the show or if I just. I don't remember either. Uh, uh, it, I got it. I got it from Spirit because I just he's at the age where it's like it's not worth putting the effort in to make a costume. Sure. Um. So I just got one from Spirit. Uh, it's a werewolf costume. Uh. It's it's I mean it's made for toddlers obviously and it is called. Whittle Werewolf, uh, and it's it's just the cutest thing ever. It is, yeah. I can confirm. Yeah. And uh, long ago, uh, we got him, uh, you know those little golden books? Remember mm-hmm. those? They, they, I mean, they make ones for, like, they don't have just, like, the old ones that we used to read when we were kids, like, you know, a little train that could and, you know, the spot the dog things. They actually have, like, like the two that he has are uh, the Haunted Mansion, and Universal Monsters. Nice. But it's like a Funko Pop. Oh, okay. Universal Monsters. Anyway, so uh got it for him, and I started reading it to him. And every time we get to the Wolfman, there'd be a page where the Wolfman was, was howling. And so unbeknownst to me, like I would do it, but my apparently my dad would also do it when they were watching him during the day. It's like when you get to that page, you actually just go, oh! And so... He just learned to whatever he sees Wolfman to hell. <laughs> and so now we, I, I sent you the video, uh, put his costume on. and You also and posted it on your fucking Facebook. I did put it on my face, <laughs> fucking Facebook. Uh, yeah, got, it, got him to hell, and it's just goddamn the cutest thing ever. Yeah, I really hope he wears it tomorrow. I know you said he, he hates the hood, but he really does. He, he doesn't like hats. Like He refuses to keep hats on his head, and I, I don't know why. I don't know if he just finds them uncomfortable or off-putting or what, but he just will not keep them on his head, especially like something like a beanie that covers his ears, mm. uh, like a ball cap. We can usually get him to keep or like a Boston Scally. Sure, yeah. <laughs> He's actually got one, but it's uh, like this. I've got the smallest size they have, and it's still too big for him, so gotta wait a little bit. Um, but uh, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, so we put the costume on him, but whether or not he's actually going to wear the hood, it's it's uh, remains to be seen. We're trying to kind of break him into it, but 
It's, it's not going well. <laughs> anyway. And then, uh, yeah, you do anything on Halloween or just stick around home? I don't have any plans. Yeah. I'm sure we, we might just, like, go out and get a drink or something. That's usually what we do if we don't have plans. We just go out and kind of people watch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I Unless we were, like, having... Unless Halloween was like on a weekend and mm-hmm. we were like going to a party or something, we pretty much never really did anything on, ho- on you, Halloween. You guys don't get much trick or treaters, do you? No, we we have gotten like in the f- five years we've been there, I could probably count on my fingers how many trick or treaters we've gotten. Are they all like people from your cul-de-sac? Uh, some of them. It's kind of hard to tell because you know it's dark and they're wearing costumes. Sure, and I don't really pay much attention to them anyway. <laughs> um. But, uh, I mean, my you're never like, you're that little shit that hit the baseball in my yard or whatever. <laughs> I mean, my, my neighborhood's old, like my like old people. Well, there are some old people, but no, like the, the neighborhood itself is old. Oh, okay. it, was, it was built in the sixties. Um, so it's not like, there aren't like a lot of street lights. We have like a, uh, a street light. Um, we don't really have sidewalks. We have like a sidewalk that goes up one side of the street, uh, pretty much like up to my house and then once my driveway starts like that's where the the i mean it's a it's a cul-de-sac so the sidewalk goes basically up to my driveway and stops and then like doesn't start until you get back down around the other side of the street like almost all the way back down is where it picks up on the other side yes i've never really noticed yeah i mean unless you're doing a lot of walking yeah um but yeah it's not that it's unsafe it's just i and, I mean, kids probably all getting bust to the rich neighborhoods. Well, I mean, that's the big controversy now. Like, I mean, there's there's that, and there's these like trunk or treat things, and you know, yeah. kids like trick or treating at the mall and stuff like that. It's just like it just basically eliminated the the trick or treat thing in, in my neighborhood. Hmm. I mean, it, we we've never had a lot of trick or treaters like ever. Like, I think our first year we we didn't get any. Wow. Um, and, uh, so I, I don't know if it was ever really a thing in our neighborhood. Um, and it just kind of faded out over time, but anyway, it's, it's a bummer. I mean, we'd like to get some, but you know, it's, it's hard to justify going out and buying a big bag of candy for, you know, five kids. Yeah. yeah. And so we just, we don't, we leave our light off and it's, it's hard with the dogs too, because the dogs lose their fucking minds every time somebody rings the doorbell. Um, so yeah, anyway, but yeah, we'll just probably stick around home and, um, and you know, watch, watch some movies. Sure. Got to get trick or treat it out of the way and some other things. Yeah. Tales of Halloween. There you go. Yep. Are you going to watch, are you going to watch trick or treat early? Maybe. I'll see what my mom wants to do. Mm-hmm. My goal, my goal is to get make my kid a fan of trick-or-treat so he wants to dress up as sam one year sure i got him a sam doll like a little stuffed sam doll from mm-hmm. from spirit it's you know about this big he's uh hot and cold on it really yeah like sometimes he'll like cuddle it like you say oh you know give it a kiss give it a kiss he'll like kiss his stuffed animals uh and he'll do that with with sam on occasion other times he just wants nothing to do with him. That's weird. It is weird. I don't. But anyway, I'm trying. I'm to... always like my mind can't 
I, I can't wrap my mind around when things are inconsistent. Oh, yeah, me too. Like, if something is not what I agree with, but it's consistent, I can, I get it. Yeah. But if something's inconsistent, it just boggles me. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know, my kid, he's, I mean, he's, kids are weird. They are fucking weird. Like, he does so many weird things. <sighs> I'm just I'm I'm gonna be in- interested to see what going to daycare will do for him because he's he's starting daycare on Monday, uh, two days a week, and you know he'll it's it's you know they say that it's not a daycare it's an early education center or something like that I forget the term they used but um you know so they'll he'll actually be like learning things not just playing around all day which. You know, I appreciate what my what my parents and my my in laws have been doing for us, but I'm not sure how much learning is going on. Sure. So for him to actually get some kind of structure as far as like, you know, learning the alphabet, learning numbers, and and you know maybe how to you see starting to learn how to count on his fingers. My mom was actually teaching him that. Um, so anyway, we'll see how it goes. Cool kids. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anything else? Not really. Cool, cool, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Well, hot. Hot, hot, hot. <laughs> I thought you were imitating my kid for a sec. That he, that's another thing he does. Like He just goes hot? Yeah, well, like he... he like, uh, like when he's hot? or No, just like... Um, he just says things are hot? Like... If you have like a, if you have coffee, if you have, if, like he, he recognizes like a, like a cup of coffee and if you, you, you'll like try and reach out for it. And if you like pull it away, you're like, no. And he still go hot, hot. It's like, yeah, hot. <laughs> but, <laughs> like, whenever my wife and I are saying something's hot, like now we'll, we'll, we'll just do that. Yeah. Just go hot, just hot, hot, hot. Or like when we're saying like, whenever we're leaving or he's going to bed, he'll go bye 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 bye, and so we start doing that to each other. It's just it's hilarious. <laughs> okay, anyway, before I turn into one of those people, it's like my kid does the cutest thing. For the people at home, Tony's son has two different waves for hello and goodbye. Yeah, yeah. He, uh, I mean, it's it's. There's no point in describing it. You know, like you have to see it. Yeah, you can't really pantomime. Uh, for the people at Discord, this is high and this is by. Yeah. See what you're missing by not being on Patreon? <laughs> this is the good shit. The the uh, the Taylor making uh, demonstrations of how my kid waves. Yep. You could be seeing this all live. <laughs> all right. Let's just do some horror business. Let's. All right, we're starting out in real world horror. Taylor, you don't know my name either. <laughs> like I said, I am so fucking tired. The kid woke me up at seven this morning, and like I went to bed later than I should have. I'm just fucking dragging. I didn't have any coffee this morning. This is not doing shit for me. This tastes nothing like Starburst strawberry, by the way. But you know, I can't buy a bang anymore, so I got to find something else. <laughs> 
by the way, fuck, good fucking riddance. Yeah. I mean, I drank it. A lot. I, not not so much anymore. I, I pretty much got myself off energy drinks. I just kind of do coffee now. Okay. Uh, it's it's mainly when I don't have time to make coffee or if I'm just like dragging, like especially bad one day, I'll get an energy drink. But yeah, you can't find Bang anymore, so I got to find something else. But Bang had like a lot of caffeine. You don't you don't do cold brew, right? No, no. I am of the of mindset that coffee should be hot, 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 hot. hot. Uh, yeah, because I mean, like for me, if I'm in the morning, I'll get because I'll get the pre made cold brew. So sometimes if I'm rushing out for whatever reason, I'll just pour in a thermos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we uh, we both because guys enjoying this horror business or what? <laughs> Well, we, we, you know, we were both doing a lot of energy drinks. Like we were buying like packs of them every week when we were doing our grocery shopping, and it's just like, I mean, it's a ton of caffeine, and it's, I mean, the ones I was getting at least didn't have any sodium or sugar, but it's you know artificial sweeteners which are just do hell on your fucking, uh, I mean, on your guts, but also like your pancreas and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I got myself off of taurine tisk tisk. Remember those commercials? No, I don't remember what it was for. It was either an all natural energy drink or some kind of other drink, and they were just like talking about all the bad things that were in energy drinks. And then one day they just said taurine tisk tisk, and I'm like, I don't know what that is. Like, yeah. why don't you explain to me why it's bad? Yeah, it is. Like, that's just one of the things in an energy drink that gives me energy. Tell yeah. me why it's bad. Right. <laughs> um. But yeah, so we both got off energy drinks, and we started just drinking more coffee. But drinking coffee means we were going to Starbucks, and we were spending like hundreds of dollars every month on Starbucks. So we said, okay, now especially because the kid has to go to daycare, it's like, no more Starbucks. Yeah. We make coffee at home or not at all. Yeah. So that's been going pretty well. We got an espresso machine last year, and it, it makes pretty good coffee. Fancy. Yeah. Well, she like her work did a raffle for, um, I mean it was for their for their clients, but also them. I mean they they could participate in it too for some reason, and I guess she won it off the raffle, and she won it, and she was all excited about it. And I don't think she's used it a single time. I'm the only one that uses it. She's got a little uh, Nespresso machine that she uses. Mm. <laughs> Why are we buying two different kinds of coffee? <laughs> Anyway, okay, horror was that? So Taylor, you yes, remember sir. when like clowns were a thing around the time that like it was coming out, and clowns were just fucking everywhere because assholes thought it was funny. Oh yeah, they're just like coming out of the woods yeah, and just standing out with fucking balloons, just being creepy. Yeah, yeah, fucking clowns. Your finger out of your ass, you fucking clown. Yeah, fucking Rob. <laughs> uh, well, apparently that trend has not completely died. Um, because according to a local media report, uh, a creepy clown doll with an unsettling note was left on the doorstep of a Tennessee woman. Uh, it, uh, occurred recently in the city of Chat- Chattanooga, uh, with, let's see, um, looks like she opened her front door and saw, uh, a weird, looks like it's a Harlequin. I don't, I don't know if they mean that literally or if it's just like. Harlequin, how people refer to clowns as Harlequins. Right, yeah, just clown, Harlequin, same difference. Right. Uh, the figurine was looking up at her, which 
That's un- unsettling in un- itself. Yeah, unnerving is... Uh, yeah. Uh, un- yeah, okay. Oh, sorry. I thought I had read that already, but... Oh, fuck. All right, hold on. You can do this. I believe in you. The fact that this has less caffeine than I'm used to, and I haven't drank all of it yet, it's mean I'm... This episode's either going to drag or Tony's going to get to that point of being so tired that it gets really goofy. (laughs) Either way, what a show, right? Okay, here we go. Uh, As if this wasn't unnerving enough, upon closer uh, inspection... It doesn't help this mic is in my fucking way. I'm trying to read. We're, We're like using a different setup because the table we usually use is being used elsewhere. So we've got this janky setup here, and like everything's just in the way. <laughs> like I can't read my computer because my mic's in my way, and I can't do anything about it. As if this was not unnerving enough, upon closer inspection, she saw that the doll came with a truly worse, worrisome message, which read, Neighbor, he is your problem now. I am sorry I can't do this anymore. <laughs> what the fuck? Nope. 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 I should be like... Hut and just kick it. Yeah, into just the punt it. Yeah, <laughs> it's like your nature's problem now, bitch. <laughs> Explaining her strange predicament, she requested officers come to her uh, come to her home and take the toy away, which they subsequently did without further incident. I love the fact that she called the cops. <laughs> That's such a fucking Karen thing to do. <laughs> well, it's like I mean, what do you, what do you do? What do you do? You throw it in the fucking street. But do you want to touch it? No, you fucking kick it. Sure. Or maybe like get a rake. And be like, yeah. Or you just take it to your neighbor and put it on his doorstep. <laughs> With a note that says, no, sir. <laughs> no, you just leave the note. <laughs> uh, as of now, the haunted doll is presumably in the custody of Chattanooga police, uh, who may soon find out why exactly its original owner was so desperate to get rid of it. I mean, I would want it out of my house just because it's a fucking clown. Who wants a clown doll in their house? Just throw it in the fucking garbage. Sure, yeah. <laughs> Unless that's like one of those things where you like throw it in the garbage and then you come inside and it's sitting on your fucking counter. Oh, in that case, you burn the house down. Yeah, you burn the house, everything in it. <clears throat> and then when the insurance company asks what happened, you just say, it was a fucking clown. It's this creepy clown doll set the house on fire. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't ask it why, I just did it. <laughs> or you just screamed, they only moved the headstones. <laughs> anyway, yeah, just one of them things. Fucking clowns, man. <laughs> Fucking clowns and clown dolls and harlequins and crazy notes. That note is so disturbing, right? It's just I can't do this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me... Uh, of, of the thing that occurred, we talked about it on the show a while back, but now they made a, a Netflix sh- series out of it. Oh yeah, the Watcher. The Watcher. Have you watched any of it? No. It's uh, it's very not... very loosely based on. Very. Yeah, they took some liberties, um, but for some reason, it's not as creepy as the actual story. <laughs> really? Yeah, and it's just like, you know, th- this family. It, it, just to refresh everybody's memory, uh, or if you hadn't heard it before. This family moved into this house. They bought it for a steal with no real explanation. 
Um, it's just a very beautiful house. And I, I hope I'm remembering this right. I'm not confusing it with the show. But I'm pretty sure they, they bought this house, like a, a beautiful house, for for way less than they should have paid for it. Um, and uh, shortly after, they start getting letters. Just random letters. They're not... Um, they're, they're they're like not from anybody they know. In fact, I, if I remember right, it's the only thing that is it is signed as like the 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 person who wrote the letters only signed the letters as the watcher, and they're writing letters talking about how uh, talking about the family, the members of the family, and how like you know just like creepy things about the house. It's just I don't know. It's a weird fucking thing that happened. Uh, very unsettling. Yeah, off-putting. I'm so startled. <laughs> um, and yeah, so they they, they made a Netflix series uh, out of it with Bobby Cannavale and uh, Naomi Watts. Cannavale, he's been and real- Richard Kind <laughs> and Richard Kind. Like I I saw the cast before I watched it. I'm like, I have Yaba. <laughs> Yeah, I saw the cast before I ever watched it, and I'm like, Bobby Cannavale and Richard Kind. <laughs> Who the fuck cast this? Is it a is it a comedy? But but uh, Cannavale, he's been doing more serious roles lately. Like I don't. He, did you watch that movie Blonde? No. Yeah, that's weird. It's a weird movie. Um. Anyway, but yeah. So, clown dolls. Going forward, that's how you know we're done. <laughs> because we have no tact. That's right. We always get off topic and then we're like, Are, were, were we done with that? Oh, we were done with that? Okay. And then just shout the topic. <laughs> okay. So, uh, professional podcasters, guys. As everyone knows, they're remaking everything these days. Sure. But one very prominent property that I don't know has been touched yet is George A. Romero's Night of the Living Dead. Mm, no, I don't think so. Um, I've, so if I've, they've remade it, I definitely would have heard about it. Okay, so I just Googled it. Turns out there's 47 different remakes of Night of the Living Dead. <laughs> uh, it's public domain, so anybody can remake it. So Tony and I are going to remake it uh, tonight. Yeah, we're going to do it in this room we're sitting We're going to do it at the zoo tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like I said, since it's public domain, anybody can remake it, and anybody has... Everybody has. And according to Deadline, someone else is. Uh, Village Roadshow Pictures has partnered with Chris Romero and the late George A. Romero's Sanibel Films, as well as Origin Story, Vertigo, and Westbrook Studios. That is a lot of cooks in the kitchen. uh, On what all hope will create a new franchise from Night of the Living Dead. Which wasn't there already a franchise? It was like Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they made like four movies. Pretty sure they made like six movies. Yeah. Six, yeah, right. Sorry. Yeah, we forgot about the last two because they're terrible. Five them out of my mind. Uh, Yeah, I mean, so this one has a little bit of clout, I guess, since it's actually partnering with a member of the Romero family and Romero's uh, studio. I actually didn't know that he had a a Sanibel Films. I've never 
heard that name before. Yeah, I mean, if I have, it didn't stick. So yeah, but I don't know. The fact that his kids involved it doesn't really instill me with a lot of hope. Whatever happened to that race of the dead or whatever with a one where there was going to be zombies driving cars that, oh, that the kid right. was supposed to be making? Yeah. Whatever happened to that? Uh, I mean, they probably realized it was a terrible idea. <laughs> or maybe the people putting money into it realized it was a terrible idea. <laughs> maybe like they, they reread the script and they were like, you know, maybe, maybe dad was kind of losing it at the end. <laughs> maybe yeah. dad shouldn't have been writing yeah. scripts at the end. <laughs> uh, but Latoya Morgan has written the script for this new project. If that name sounds familiar, it's because... Uh, Latoya Morgan is a writer on The Walking Dead. I don't know what episodes or what seasons, uh, so your mileage may vary on whether or not that's a good thing or not. Uh, Nikyatu Jusu is attached to direct, who is the director of Nanny, uh, with the package headed to the American film market. I feel like you're going to be getting a lot of news about the American film market, so get used to that. It's, it's kind of a big deal. It's where a lot of people go to sell their movies. Yep. We were, I mean, not part of it. We were part of a film that that, that was taken to AFM. Yeah, we we weren't invited. No. Who would invite us? We're just the stars of the thing. <laughs> the stars. <laughs> but who sells a film better than us? Huh? Huh? It's true. We would sit there and just like <clears throat> put it in people's face and go, you buy it. <laughs> Uh, You know why we make such good salesmen? Because we have charisma. Because we don't take no for an answer. (laughs) We don't take no (laughs) shit from anyone. Uh, Deadline also notes they are keeping the logline under wraps, but clearly hungry corpses will be on the menu. No shit, it's Night of Living Dead. We all know what the fuck it's about. Yeah, I mean... I love this on remakes when they're like, they're keeping the, the plot details under wraps. It's like, it's a remake. We, we know the plot details. And also, it's a zombie movie. There is one plot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people hide from zombies. Um, I just... I mean, I know that the remakes of Night of the Living Dead are never going to stop uh, until the whole zombie fad just dies, but, like, give it a fucking rest. I mean, like, I liked Savini's remake... Yeah, but I, other I, than that, I mean, I go. I mean, people could probably call it sacrilege, but I prefer Sabini's remake. Um, but yeah, I mean, all the other remakes that I've seen, all of the you know uh, independent sequels that have been made, they're they're pretty much like all garbage. Yeah, there was one that I was a little excited to see. Uh, this this guy um, was working on one called uh, Night of the Living Dead Genesis. And if I recall, it was going to be a sequel to the original Night of the Living Dead. And it actually had... Um, oh, damn it. I can't remember her name. Uh, the, the lady who, who plays Barbara. Um, I want to call her like Juliet See, I want to say, oh, Judith O'Day. I, was, I knew it started with a J, too. Yeah. <clears throat> so she actually had a part in it. I think all her parts were filmed. Um, and she was playing Barbara, you know, was it 60 years later. 60 years? No. 19, no, it was 1967, so, so 20, 
50, 55? Something, something along those lines. It's 55 this year, so depending on how long ago this was. Sure. Yeah, I mean, probably five or more years ago so now. So 50 years. Um, anyway, but yeah. So I was kind of interested to see that. They they did like a like kind of a uh, sizzle reel, I guess you might call it. Um, but I think it just lost funding. And so it's it's like, I think it's like 95% done and they just can't afford to finish it. That sucks. It does. Um, but I don't know. The guy that, that, that directed it, he's he's done a lot of other stuff and he like, he's worked with like Troma and his name's Matt Cloud. Um, he, uh, he, he's done some work with Troma. He's, he's working on a couple of his other own films. Um, so he's, he's been busy. I just hope that at some point this leads to him being able to finish, you know, Night of the Living Dead. Yeah. But anyway. Anyway, uh, send us your Night of the Living Dead films. <laughs> <laughs> We'd love to talk negatively about them. <laughs> Speaking of which, graveplotfilmfest.com, uh, tickets now available. That's right. Join us in February. You can still submit your film, but it will cost you a late fee. But you can still submit. Yeah, you can. It's true. I synced it. Night of the Living Dead. When I was a kid, my dad had pictures of these clowns. He hung them on my wall and wouldn't let me take them down. I didn't understand that and I still can't figure out. Sign me all the clown stories. <laughs> no, not intentionally. <laughs> uh, well, in well, further, well, well, in further clown news, um, so should have put that first. That would have been a good segue. Uh, blah blah blah. <laughs> I lost my place. Literally the beginning. I know. <laughs> God damn it. So, uh, you probably remember the film Tucker versus t- sorry Tar- Tucker and Dale versus Evil. I do. I love it. It's a great movie. It's so good. It's like... <laughs> These teenagers came out here and started killing themselves. <laughs> it's like... It's it's hard to really call it horror because it's not really. Not really. It's... It's it's violent and gory, Yeah, but it's it, not really... It operates on this overarching predication that it is a horror movie, but it's really not at its core. Um... If you have if you haven't seen it, like you're you're fucking up because it's got uh, um, Tyler, Tyler Bean, Bean and um, Alan Tudyk. I couldn't remember his last, or first name. Alan Tudyk, uh, who have both gone on to do great things. <laughs> Alan Tudyk, especially. Have you watched Resident Evil Alien? Mm-mm. Fuck, it's funny. He's also the voice of every animal in every Disney movie. <laughs> <laughs> He's also every uh, animal that doesn't actually speak. That's Alan Tudyk. <laughs> He, he he's such a busy fucking guy. I I don't know how he keeps up with all his fucking work. Uh, but he, he he's on Resident Alien where he has, he's a starring role, and he's also on the Harley Quinn cartoon where he does the the Joker and Clayface, and I think he does some other. I didn't realize voices until like, semi recently that he does so much voice voice acting. Oh yeah, he's he's all over the place with voice acting. Yeah. Um. Anyway. But that's not the point. Uh, the director 
is working on an adaptation of Adam Cesare. Cesare. Yeah, I mean, like, I think there's like maybe like two or three different ways to say that. So it could could just be Caesar too. Like, yeah. Well, I mean, the way that I know to pronounce that is Cesare. So let's go. Let's go with that. Adam Cesare's slasher novel, Clown in a Cornfield. Uh, Deadline is reporting that the movie is on its way. Uh, Eli Craig, who is, of course, the director, um, will be working on this. Uh, it's a young adult, adult slasher novel, which comes courtesy of producer Temple Hill Entertainment. Uh, Carter Blanchard is adapting the novel uh, into a um, into a screenplay. Uh, apparently, the novel itself has a sequel. With hints that a third one is on the way. Um, so Carter Blanchard wrote Independence Day, Resurgence. Oh. <laughs> had me first. <laughs> you had me there at the beginning. <laughs> they had us in the first half, not going to lie. Uh, as well as Steelheart. And Skippy Binderman. <laughs> what? Steelheart, like the band? Probably not. Because I he's I don't know why a band would need a screenwriter, but I mean, like maybe he wrote like a music video or something. Then it would put the it would put the name of the music video though. <laughs> it wouldn't just put the band name. <laughs> I've never heard of Steelheart. He was so. also an assistant to the producers on Saved by the Bell. Good. <laughs> Coming out strong. Anyway, um, let's see. The synopsis for the book is as follows. Quinn Maybrook and her father have made, I'm sorry, have moved into a tiny, boring kettle. Quinn Maybrook and her father have moved to tiny, boring kettle springs to find a fresh start. But what they don't know is that ever since the Bay Pen Corn Syrup Factory, this already this sounds goofy. <laughs> Kettle Springs, sorry, sorry, since the factory shut down, Kettle Springs has cracked in half. On one side, there are adults who are desperate to make Kettle Springs great again, and on the other, this sounds politically charged, and on the other are the kids who want to have fun, make prank videos, and get out as quick as they can. Kettle Springs is caught in a battle between old and new, tradition and progress. It's a fight that looks like it will destroy the town until Frendo, <laughs> Frendo. the Bay Pen mascot, uh, a creepy clown in a pork pie hat. This is terrible. Why would you? Why would you make that your mascot? Why would you make a clown your mascot? Like ever? Unless you're McDonald's, like the mascot for the corn syrup factory. Yeah. Why would a corn syrup factory need a mascot? I I don't know, Taylor. <laughs> Did you know that McDonald's retired Ronald McDonald? Did you even notice? No. Yeah. Back like around when all the clown shit was happening. Like, this is not working out for us. Like, this is bad, bad juju. <laughs> Did they promote Grimace? No. Well, that's, that's a mistake. Like, I think they just abandoned all those characters. There was a SNL skit with Buff Grimace, and Grimace got all buff. 
Uh, let's see. Clown in a pork pie hat goes homicidal and decides the only way for Kettle Springs to grow back is to cull the rotten crop of kids who live there now. Well, I mean, it's hard to argue with that logic. There are a lot of rotten kids out there. But you should probably cull all the people that want to make America great again and that kind of shit, too. Yeah, this, like, why is he only killing the kids? Like, that makes it seem like the adults are right. Yeah. Don't well, trust anyone over 30. He's probably one of the adults. He should probably he should just kill everybody. That'd make a better movie. Yeah. Sounds like this whole town probably just needs to be cleared off the map. Yeah. Because it's just gone to gone to heck. <laughs> like the only thing it was known for was a corn syrup factory, which that's not great to begin with. Yeah. And then once that shut down, what's the point of this place? Just burn it. Burn yeah, it all. It says it cracked in half. Does that mean literally or just like I don't think so. <laughs> It's like, was there a fault line or something that was somehow activated by <laughs> corn syrup factory? Like, as you were reading it, I was just picturing, like, the town, like, literally being split in half. Right. And I'm like, oh, the kids live over here, like, and it's Lord of the Flies over there. And then, like, all the parents are over here. And I just kept thinking of that South Park episode where the kids were running the town and the adult came in and Cartman kept calling him Outlander. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Outlander! <laughs> I was thinking, it made me think of the time, or uh, the episode of Simpsons where they built the wall, split into, was it East and West Springfield? I think so, yeah. Or o- Old and New Springfield. There you go, yeah. <laughs> Residents of New Springfield are known to use phrases such as, oh yeah, and come here a second. <laughs> uh, anyway. Fucking clowns. Clowns are the worst. Never trust a clown. <laughs> yeah, Rob. <laughs> and, you know, fucking, like I said, McDonald's recognized that. It's like, okay, clowns are getting a lot of bad press. We should probably not have a clown as our mascot anymore. I guess, yeah. Yeah. Maybe one day he'll make a triumphant return, but... He's been gone for several years at this point, and I never noticed. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Got a <goatee>. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, So there you go. Corn syrup. <laughs> what? <laughs> I already used clowns. Wait, no, I didn't. Did I? What did I say for the first one? I don't know. You could have said the name of the movie, though. <laughs> what is it? Clown in a Cornfield. <laughs> right. All right. So the the video game Dead by Daylight is very popular. Very, very fun. Very good. Very cool. Very evil. <laughs> um, but it's going to be expanding to the world of comic books. Oh, boy. Uh, scheduled for release in March 2023. It's going to be written by Harvey Award winner Nadia Shamas, who wrote Squire and Where Black Stars Rise. Not sure what either of those are. You? Nope. You're more prevalent in comic books than I am, and you don't know what they are. So, uh, With art by Dylan Snook of Bluefall. You know that one? Nope. All right. Off to a bang-up start. 
Uh, the Dead by Daylight comic book will introduce readers to fan favorite killers, The Legion, comprised of a close-knit group of four troubled teenagers, including high school dropout Frank, small-town girl Julie, practical joker Joey, and the shy and naive Susie. The story will explore the Legion's relationship as they navigate the darkness within themselves and the world around them. Uh, for people who might not know Dead by Daylight, it's a... Uh, what's the word? Dead by Daylight. What's the word? When it's not... Like, it's one against four or whatever. Asymmetrical? Asymmetrical horror game where one person plays as the killer and then the rest of the people play as uh, the Legion or the wh- whoever the survivors are. And basically the survivors have to go around and they have to fix machines before the killer kills them. There's, like, Michael Myers is in the game. Freddy Krueger is in the game. These are all, I mean, you have to buy these. But uh, Leatherface, Ghostface... Also, Ash is in it as a survivor. There's a Stranger Things chapter you can buy. Mm-hmm. Um, Some yeah. of these might not actually be available anymore. I think that's very possible. They're yeah. only licensed for you know a limited time, but it's fun. It's a cool game. Yeah, I enjoy it. Look, it. So yeah, it looks but like it's hard so, as fuck. <laughs> it is so fucking hard. I mean, there might be people out there who are just more adept at those kinds of games. I mean, uh, probably. I'm terrible at most video games. Yeah. Like, I am good at being, like, stealthy and, like, sneak attacks and stuff like that. But that's not how, like, like that, that's why I am really fucking good at games like Assassin's Creed and Hitman and stuff. Um, but, like, games where, you ha- where you're the one being chased and you have to, like, hide and do shit like, you know, like, um... A lot of like when you're fixing machines, a lot of times you have to do things like you have to hit a button at a like the exact time. Otherwise, something goes wrong. You make a bunch of fucking noise, whatever. Um, I am terrible at that shit. So games like this, I just dog shit. Like <laughs> so bad at them. Uh, I mean, if it, if you could go on the attack, I'd probably be better. But you can't. Your your goal is to run away. Yeah. Run away, run away. Otherwise, you get put on a hook. Right. Is that Dead by Daylight board game still happening? I I don't know. I don't I don't really remember that. Uh, I think it was a Kickstarter. <laughs> yeah, we need a fucking Kickstarter. Uh yeah. But um Yeah, so. Yeah, so. Comics. Apparently, Squire is actually a uh, a graphic novel, so not not like a paperback comic book or like a series of comic books. And it's also young adult, so mm. I would have no affiliation with that. Dead by Daylight, the board game, is available for pre-order on Kickstarter right now. Uh, well, there you go. They destroyed their goal. Yeah. Their goal was two hundred fifty thousand. They made one million sixty-seven thousand three hundred ninety-five dollars. Fuck beans. Well done, them. Fucking a. Dead by daylight. <clears throat> Thank you.
All right, so, uh, I mean, everybody's in the Halloween Michael Myers mode right now. Hate it or love it. Uh, actually, I don't know if anybody actually loved it, but hate it, hate it or like it or tolerate it. Halloween Ends is out there and people are talking about it. Specifically, uh, Daniel Harris, who of course played, uh, was it Jamie Lloyd? Laurie Shore's daughter, um, her and Scout Taylor Compton, who of course played um, uh, Laurie Lori in Rob Zombie's Halloween, they're pretty good friends, and they actually have a podcast together. And like you and I talked about this briefly, but if you guys hadn't heard about this, apparently neither of them had been invited to any of the new three. Halloween, like they hadn't been invited to any of the premieres until Halloween ends. Like these are these are stars and you know fairly well known people who have appeared in the Halloween series. You'd think they would have been invited to at least one. Well, I guess they were invited to one, but yeah. Anyway, so they both. Sh- but at least, just- at least Daniel Harris, like she was part of the original, yeah, timeline. I guess. Right. Is that what the phrase we're using? Sure. Okay. Uh, anyway, so they go to the premiere, you know, dressed in the nines as as you do, and um, they both wanted to talk to Jamie Lee Curtis because who wouldn't? I mean, you know, especially you know you you play uh, her daughter in the series, or you play her, you know, the character originated by her. You know, she's she's kind of like idol status. So they both on their, their you know, on their own went to go and try and talk to her and basically just got snubbed, which is just so outrageous to me. Like, you know, there there's a million reasons why that could have happened, but it's still just it looks bad on paper, you know. Yeah. Um, I guess Danielle Harris, who again played Jamie Lloyd, who was Laurie Strode's daughter in part four, uh, five, four, four, um, and. She goes and she says, "Hey, I'm, I'm, you know, Danielle. I'm, I played Jamie, Laurie's daughter, in in Halloween Four. And I guess Jamie Lee Curtis, and of course, of course, this is coming from Daniel Harris's mouth, and I'm paraphrasing. Uh, Jamie Curtis basically just said, "I've never seen those movies. I don't know who you are." And that must have just been a fucking crushing blow. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, anyway, and then, yeah, I guess Scout Taylor Compton, or is she just going by Scout Compton now? I don't know, honestly. Uh, she said that she didn't go into details about her experience, but said it was pretty similar. So that's, that's, that's a shame. Yeah. I've, I've gotten the impression, uh, that Jamie Lee Curtis can be kind of, uh, a bitch (laughs) or bitchy. Um, but you know, a little decorum with people who have been part of the same series that made you famous. Yeah. You may, you know, you make, make a little effort, I think. But anyway, so Danielle Harris, uh, after being snubbed is reteaming with the director of Halloween four, uh, who is Dwight Little uh, on a new film called. Natty Knox. Betty Knox? Betty Knox. <laughs> Natty Ice. 
Gross. Yeah. Uh, Filmbridge After Dark has launched worldwide sales on the horror thriller Natty Knox, which, uh, like I said, is reteaming Dwight Little and Danielle Harris. Um, it also uh, reteams the filmmaker with Robert England, who starred in Little's Phantom of the Opera. Not a good movie. Really? No, sir. Uh-oh. Um, Bill Mosley uh, also stars. Uh, it's a pretty dope cast. It's, yeah, it's, it's not bad. I just hope it's not a shitty movie. Yeah, like a good <laughs> cast doesn't always a good movie make, as we've seen. Many times. Many times. Too many to count. It's, it's, it's so many. <laughs> I'd say more often than not. I was gonna I was gonna name names, but then I was like, let's not. Let's just keep that to yourself for now, Taylor. <laughs> uh the film chronicles the story of a small town babysitter played by Charlotte Fountain Jardim, who on Hardim. Ha- it could be. Could be. Could be could be Hardim. Could be. Who on Halloween Eve, along with her kids kids are in I'm guessing close. it means the kids that she's watching, like not her biological children okay has to survive serial killer abner honeywell (laughs) not not a great name well i mean how threatening on its own is the name michael myers (laughs) it's true it's it's austin powers (laughs) um let's see who who himself wait sorry who is himself the traumatized son of b-movie horror legend known as Natty Knox. So, so does that mean he's an actor in B movies, or like, like a B movie legend like Bruce Campbell, or like, like a literal legend like Michael Myers? Well, I mean, Natty Knox definitely sounds like a fucking porn star. <laughs> so uh, I'm gonna guess something along the lines of like, you know, like Linnea Quigley, or. Uh, Help me out here. Barbara Crampton, D. Wallace. Sure. Yep. All them. Uh, just, yeah, just a scream queen who probably was known for taking her top off. Probably has big knockers. <laughs> Hence, Hence the name. The name. <laughs> yeah, we got it. So I'm looking at Charlotte. It's going to be totally off. It's not going to be right at all. Oh, probably not. No, it's probably a guy. <laughs> uh, Charlotte Fountain. I'm going to say Hardim because I think that sounds better. Uh, Charlotte Fountain Hardim. <laughs> sounds more. Is. is is known for Natty Knox. It's not out yet. <laughs> but we know about it. Uh, and one episode of Evil Lives Here. Oh. Oh, wait, not an episode. It, it's a TV series documentary, it says. Yeah, Kristen watches that. Well, she's in They Say I Killed My Brother as sister. Good. So now you remember. She must kill. She must have killed her brother. Yeah, I remember it. I mean, that's what they say. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, boy. I just watched all the Hatchet, or sorry, not all of them, all the, the three original Hatchet movies. Original. That's not really right, I guess. Just the first three Hatchet movies. The ones that are called Hatchet. Right. Uh I for like I I either forgot or didn't realize how fucking cheese dick those movies are, and how much you know Adam Green, like like 
paints himself as this like diehard uh, Halloween slash Michael Myers fan. Uh, but you know, of course, uh, Victor Crowley was played by Kane Hodder in all four movies, and uh, it's hard to separate the similarities between Victor Crowley and Jason Voorhees. But like just so much of the plot line and like the things that occur on screen, like not like shot for shot recreations of things that happen in Friday Thirteen films, but a lot of them are very similar. Yeah. And like you thought we wouldn't notice, which we didn't. But now I do. Okay, so Natty Knox is played by an Betty act- Nuggs. Betty Nuggs is played by an actress named Joey Bothwell. Joey Jojo Shabadoo. <laughs> it's the worst name I've ever heard. <laughs> uh, she was in one episode of Supernatural, one episode of Psyched. She's Canadian, eh? And uh, a bunch of stuff I've never heard of. Good, good. Natty Knox. Bill Mosley plays Abner Honeywell. Good. Diane Harris plays Diane Henderson. And Robert England plays Mr. Meredith. Wait, Danielle Harris? What'd I say? Diane. Oh, yes. Yeah, I was looking at the character name. Danielle Harris plays Diane Henderson. Got it. Abner Honeywell. Abner! Abner! <laughs> I already did the thing, so... We're just... I didn't know if you wanted to do it again. Nah, no, no, no. One, one's good enough. Shelly, my love I only long to be Where you are So we're getting a return, not only to horror, but to movies in general uh, by an actress who has not been in Hollywood in 20 years. That, of course, is Shelley Duval. Bortles. Is that a, why are you looking at me like I'm an idiot? Is that from Good Place? Yeah. I don't remember that. I don't know. But Jaguars fans always yell Duval for some reason. Oh. That's their, their mascot's name is Duval, I think. What? What kind of name is that? I don't know. Fucking. It means something to them. I don't know. Florida. <laughs> uh, of course, Shelley Duvall from The Shining. Uh, the, shinning. the Shinning. She is going to be in Scott Goldberg's upcoming werewolf movie, The Forest Hills. Did you ever watch Shelley Duvall's Fairy Tales? No. It was a. I believe that's what it was called. She was the host. Sure. Uh, I think it was like a Disney Channel show or like an HBO show back before they were like part of like basic cable. <laughs> back when you had to pay extra for those channels. Um, and, uh, you know, I'd, I'd see it every once in a while when we'd have like a free preview over the weekend or something. Yeah, she'd just like introduce uh, a fairy tale and then they would launch into a performance of it. 
cool. Just a thing. <laughs> just a thing she did. All right. There uh, you go. So Duval is the county in which Jacksonville is located. Mm. And the mascot is Jackson DeVille. So I was wrong on that one. Ah. Jacksonville. Get it? That's terrible. <laughs> what? What is there? Is your mascot a Jaguar? Yeah. And his name is Jackson DeVille. Yeah. That's dumb. Why would you why would you give a mascot a guy like a person's name? Also, he like he's he's bright yellow. Like not really like a gold, like a jaguar would actually be he's bright yellow with it, it looks like with teal spots. So he's a sick jaguar. <laughs> <laughs> but uh the Forest Hills will also star one Edward Furlong from the Crow. <laughs> yeah, that's what he's known for. <laughs> um, I mean, this list of them is Terminator 2, which I guess, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, probably what yeah. people know him the best from. Yeah. Or Pet Cemetery 2. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll also star D. Wallace, who we were just talking about. Yeah. From The Howling and E.T. Scream Queen, who does not like to be called a Scream Queen. No? But she's a Scream Queen. Pull your finger out of your ass. <laughs> Uh, the Forest Hills follows Rico, played by Chico Mendez. Hey, Chico! Hey, Chico. <laughs> a man who is tormented by nightmarish visions after enduring head trauma while hiking in the Catskills. Well, that'll happen. That will happen. Duval will play the mother of the mentally ill or mentally and emotionally disturbed Rico, who serves as his inner voice. Edward Furlong plays the role of Billy. <laughs> oh, Billy. <laughs> A man who influences Rico to believe that he can become a werewolf. What? <laughs> uh, and we hear Furlong. We don't hear. Uh, bloody disgusting heard. Uh, that Furlong. Well, I guess now by transitive property we've heard. Uh, that Furlong. <laughs> we have now heard. <laughs> that Furlong transforms into a werewolf in the movie. So what? Is he just like, hey, I'm a werewolf and you can too. <laughs> Watch me. It's easy. (laughs) I don't understand. First, you take a step to the left and a step to the right. (laughs) Bring your knees in tight. (laughs) I fucking hate the time warp. Oh, time warp. Yeah, it's good to see Jelly Duvall back because... she was having a rough go of it for a she, while. She there. really was, and you know, it's it's um, she basically just disappeared. It's like she had to be found from from what I remember. Yeah, wasn't there a documentary about it? Uh, I don't remember if it was a documentary or just like a like a news report. You know, ex, not expose. That's not the right word. Um, but yeah, she was treated very poorly in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, to the point where she just, and I, I think she may have had some, some, um, mental or me, some mental health issues. Yeah. Um, that sounds familiar. Uh, which either might, it may have been, you know, uh, like internal or externally caused. I, I, I don't know. I don't recall. Um, but yeah. And, you know, she's, she's been very, um, public at this point and you know i I think she's probably told people in the past that she was 
she's always been treated very poorly by Hollywood, by directors and you know, just people in, in general and to the point where she just became a recluse. And, you know, she... she 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 almost almost looks unrecognizable. At least the last I saw her in this. Is the show you're talking about called Mother Goose Rock and Rhyme? No. Oh, apparently she was on that. <laughs> Can you not find it? I I wasn't looking for it, but that oh. came up when I was looking about like why she retired and stuff. Ah. So yeah, I don't. She's like she was. Are you sure this isn't it? An American musical television television. Oh, this is a film. Stars Shelley Duvall as Little Bo Peep, Dan Gilroy as Gordon Goose, the son of Mother Goose, along with a star-studded supporting cast of actors and portraying a wide something, something, something. I mean, it seems weird that there would be two different fairy tale things starring Shelley Duvall. Oh, maybe it was just called, okay, it's just called Fairy Tale Theater. Oh. Uh, oh, sorry, also known as Shelley Duvall's Fairy Tale Theater. Oh, there you go, okay. 1982. God damn, it's older than I thought it was. I just remember it being on, like I said, when it was on, like, it must have been, like, Disney Channel when you get, like, free previews over the weekend. Anyway. Did you know that she dated Paul Simon? That sounds familiar. Apparently, she dated uh, Paul Simon for for two years, and then she was like, oh, hey, have you met my friend Carrie Fisher? And he was like, bye, I'm going to go date her now. Harsh. So it was a uh, Dr. Phil was the... Was that what it was? Yeah. Okay. And then everyone was like, hey, Dr. Phil, you're being a piece of shit and exploiting this woman who clearly has a mental illness. Well, Which that's kind of what Dr. Phil does. Yeah, I mean, everybody already knew he was a piece of shit, except for the boobs that go on a show. Right. Um, man, uh, Edward Furlong looks a little rough, too, man. He seems to have had a, had a tough go of things. Yeah. But, I mean, it seems like he's kind of making a comeback, so, you know, good for him. I, he had, I think he had some addiction issues. I was going to say, I, I didn't want to speak without knowing, but I was going to say, didn't he have some drug problems? Yeah, I think since childhood. Like, I think probably, I don't know if it started around the time of, of Terminator 2 or shortly thereafter, but it's it's been a long, hard yeah. road for him. Apparently said he he was quote, on and off uh, heroin and cocaine from the ages of 22 to 26. Jesus. Yeah, I, because um, I've got some some fucked up teeth that just is dental care that I either neglected or... Or, ha- ma- or the, all the meth. All the meth, yeah. Uh, but, you know, just mostly my molars because... Um, and you take cocaine for the pain, right? Sure, yeah. That's where this is going? That's how it ties back in? Yeah. Now I've 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 got some teeth that I want to get implants done. So I just kind of was, you know, exploring um kind of how it's done, you know, options and things like that. And I just happened to trip across a video of actually him getting implant surgery. Um and uh it didn't like his his front teeth looked more or less okay, but apparently all of his molars and stuff were just all fucked up from a lot of drug use and um just neglect and stuff like that. Um I think they ended up actually pulling all of his teeth and then replacing everything with with an implant bridge. Wow. Yeah. But he it was it was kind of touching to see him you know see his new teeth in the mirror and just being 
so you know emotional about them yeah man i mean like having being so ashamed of your smile for so long it's like having a nice bright new smile it's got to be quite the thing yeah um anyway but yeah so uh it this is clearly a low budget film that will probably very much fly under the radar yeah but it's nice to see both Shelley Duvall and Edward Furlong I I don't know if Shelley Duvall is necessarily like staging a comeback but you know putting themselves back out there yeah it's 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 nice to see so I wouldn't be surprised if we ended up doing this on the show it sounds like a Nuss movie. Yeah, like the cast, and then like Tony loves werewolf movies. So I do love werewolf movies, especially good ones. I'm that not. is going to be the big question mark, <laughs> isn't it? Always, you know, what's going to hook me is a good transformation. If he actually transforms into a werewolf and it looks semi okay, then I'll probably be happy. Yeah. If he doesn't trans into transform into a werewolf, it's just like oh. We just thought he was a werewolf. He's not actually. I'm going to be very upset. <laughs> anyway. And then he turns into a werewolf and he goes, okay, now you do it. <laughs> I'm still so confused by this premise. <laughs> I'm a werewolf. You can't do <laughs> That might need to be a t-shirt. <laughs> Nobody will get it. <laughs> But it'll be funny. <laughs> it'll be one of those things that it'll be funny because nobody gets it. Yeah. <laughs> Look for our werewolf. I'm a werewolf. You can too shirt available on graveplotpodcast.com. Yep. Maybe. Probably not. Maybe. <laughs> Werewolves. <laughs> oh, yeah. What's it called? Forest Hills something. Oh, yeah. This was yours. <laughs> We got so off track that I forgot who was actually doing the story. Oh, just the Forest Hills. I had I had it right. The Forest Hills. Yay. All right, guys. That's horror business. Hey. We're done. Hey. So we're going to move on and do some film reviews. All right, guys, so we have two movies today, just like every time, except for like those two times when there was three. We have, yeah, that does happen. But today it's just two. And one time when we only did one. We have done one, but usually it's two. Most of the times, two. Uh, and, you know, I'm just like, these movies have nothing to do with each other, but they, they kind of do. They kind of, the hell? Demons. I'm a fucking demon. <laughs> Uh, we're going to be talking about the tw- ah, 20... The what now? Fucking Christ. 2022, that's this year. Uh, remake. Year of our Lord. <laughs> sure. Remake, reboot, whatever you want to call it, of Hellraiser. And uh, the also 2022 film, Pray for the Devil. In theaters now. Pray for the devil! Uh, Pray! Yeah, you know the song from yeah. the Scorpions. <laughs> uh, which one do you want to start with, Taylor? Uh, let's start with Pray for the Devil. These sessions are mandatory for all staff, Sister Anne. 
My mother struggled with depression. Annie, Annie, honey, can I come in? But even as a child, I knew it was... Annie, open the door, please. More. Let me in, Annie! Let me in! My mother talked about hearing that voice inside. She said the voice didn't really want her. It wanted me. The citadel has fallen. Black smoke blots out the sun. Because as some of you may already know, we have a female student in the class. Only as an observer. So, let's descend into the mouth of hell, shall we? There are more possessions reported today than at any other time in history. So we must fight for every soul. Defend us in battle against the spirits of wickedness. Sister Anne, just enough to protect herself and others. This relationship she has, it's personal. We've been waiting for you. Your mother has a pretty voice. Once you know the devil, the devil knows you. The fruits of the devil. Because it's so evil. Evil. All right, so Pray for the Devil, like I said, is from this year, still currently in theaters. Um, I, I don't, I saw this last night, which for those at home was Friday night. I haven't gone to a movie on a Friday night in a long time, and I forgot that there was a reason for that. Is <laughs> because all the fucking stupid dickheads go and see movies on Friday <laughs> nights and just talk throughout the fucking movie, play with their fucking cell phones, all of it. At one point, there was some dickhead in one of the further up rows that was just making like, what what kind of fucking dick move is that? Like you doing something like that, you are just intentionally trying to be an asshole. Yeah, it's like you're not just being discourteous. Like when you take out your phone and fuck around with it, you're being an asshole. So that was my experience, and you know, with the cost of a ticket combined with you know what I paid for like popcorn and a drink. And my time and effort to get to the theater, I should have just rented this on Vudu for 20 bucks and probably saved myself a few dollars. And I would have been able to pay more attention to the movie. Yeah. Is that what you did? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck my life. <laughs> well, it's just like uh, 20 bucks versus 16 for the ticket. But I didn't really take into account all those incidentals. I could have just made popcorn at home, for Christ's sake. Anyway... 
So, uh, yeah, so this is uh, directed by Daniel Stam. Um, uh, stars Jacqueline Byers Colin, and Colin Salmon. Salmon. Salmon Salmon. That's what they call him. They <laughs> do, do call him that. And Virginia Madsen. Um, so, uh, the movie goes like this. There's a gal named Anne. <laughs> she is a nun. So there you go. She's a nun. Yeah. Um, actually, I guess the movie opens up, uh, I think, first thing with, uh, what is it? Is there an actual name for it where they just have text on the screen? I'm just Probably. <sighs> a narrative card? I don't know. If that That's probably, that sounds like a good name, but I don't know if it's the actual official name. Anyway, but there is uh, just a, uh, a, an intertile. Intertile. Well, there you go. Learn something new today. <clears throat> I'm done my learning for the day. Uh, so it, it opens up and it says on the screen uh, in the, was it the 1800s, mid to late 1800s, uh, the Catholic Church noticed a rise in the um, uh, occurrence of demonic possession. And as a result, the Vatican opted to start opening up schools sorry to interject intertile is actually a title card so i don't think that's the same thing apparently it's just a chiron chiron okay that's what you well this is in a screenwriting reddit so when when you're putting it in a screenplay you would put chiron okay or super as in superimposed sure but that's not really a name for it right Anyway, but you know what we're talking about. Yeah. You fucking Just know. text on the screen. You've seen it. You've like seen Star it. Wars, you know how sure, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's shit scrolls. And, yeah. It doesn't scroll. It's just there. In Star Wars, it scrolls. But yeah, sure, yeah. in this, it's just there. Anyway, so yeah, it says uh, that you know in, in the mid to late 19th century, uh, the Catholic Church realized that, um, that there was an increase in demonic possessions around the world. And in response, they started opening up schools to teach the clergy the rights of exorcism around the world to to kind of broaden their reach without having to you know constantly consult and you know bring in people from the vatican to you know whatever far reaches of the world you know people are saying they're possessed one of these such schools was saint was it saint michael's saying here saint michael is just it's saint michael's school of Exorcism and demonology. I think, I think something along those lines. Um, or no, not St. Michael's. Was this Michael the Archangel. Whatever. I don't, I don't. It was some reference to Michael the Archangel. Um, yeah, and at, at the school is uh, a woman named Anne. She is one of the nuns. She... Uh, even though women are not allowed to actually practice or learn the rites of exorcism, there are nuns there to learn how to aid in exorcisms in, in a nurse in a nursing capacity. <clears throat> so she's there learning, you know, what she can. And we find out that she has actually had a history with possession herself uh, f- through her mother. Uh, we see through several flashbacks during her meeting with uh, was Dr. Peters, played by Virginia Madsen, who is the resident psychologist. 
And it's I, I'm this thing actually occurs in the Catholic Church, which shows that they have made steps to come out of the Dark Ages, where they actually will hire uh, and and consult psychologists to basically discredit people who you know they're really they think they're possessed or their family thinks they're possessed when it's really just a case of uh, schizophrenia mm-hmm. or you know um, was it what's it's not multiple personalities it was fractured fractured I, I can't there's a there's a more modern slash PC name for it it's not multiple personality syndrome anymore um uh, it, just to interject real quick, the school is St. Michael the Archangel School for Exorcists. Got it. Okay. Uh, anyway, so she's studying at the school to, to like, a, again, learn. Um, Disassociative Identity Disorder. That's what it is. Fractured, I don't know. Um, DID. That's the acronym that... Should have been at the forefront of my mind. Should have been. But no, you were like, fractured, fucking fractured soul disease. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, so she's, again, they're in her nursing capacity and uh, in, in, within the school is kind of a hospital slash observation center to treat people who are believed to be possessed. And, you know, it's a very methodical process from what it seems. You know, they are um, uh, review, you know, reviewed in um, what a doctor, examined. <laughs> they're, they're examined by a psychologist, you know, uh, Dr. Peters, um, to basically investigate what the possibility is of an actual exorcism and then carrying things out as, as necessary. You know, they are a school of exorcists. Um, so, Anne, of course has a natural curiosity again, because her mother who was believed to be schizophrenic medically, she had a strong suspicion was actually possessed. So she, uh, will regularly, not so much sneak in, but kind of meander into the exorcism classes. And while she's not allowed to do anything formal, the uh, the priest who um, operates these classes, um, the hell is his name? Uh, F- uh, Father Quinn. Um, he kind of, you know, allows this to to go on. He seems to be a little more progressive than than most um anyway so uh, just in her day-to-day um nursing capacity she uh encounters a girl named what the hell is her name natalie god damn like my memory of names is especially bad today (laughs) uh yeah a, a little girl named natalie i don't know 12, 13, yeah, maybe. Something like that. Um, she's there, and <clears throat> like anyone else who's there, she's having some kind of you know psychological issues that 
may or may not be possession. So she's there under observation, um, and she kind of develops a bond with uh, Anne because Anne has just kind of a, an ability to reach people on a kind of an emotional level um, and, and, you know, connect with them as, as people rather than seeing them as a project where, you know, or, or, you know, a topic of research like pretty much anyone else at the school would. Um, through the course of the movie, we find that this girl, Natalie, is actually possessed and that it very well could be and likely is the same. Highly alluded to. Yeah. yeah the, the same, this is the same demon uh, who possessed her mother because this demon has a very clear memory of Anne uh, and seems to be seeking her out in particular. Um, yeah. Am I missing anything that I can really talk about? I mean, that's that's the general premise. That's, that's, yeah. yeah. I mean, she... Oh, because she develops these connections with people, you know, Father Quinn sees it in her, and because they, during uh, an, an attempted exorcism of Natalie, Anne manages to go in where these two priests, you know, exorcists in training, were unable to... EITs. As, as they call them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, these, they... they uh, just fail. I mean, they, they basically get thrown against walls and fucked up and, Anne goes in there and is actually able to connect with Natalie under the surface and call her back out and suppress the demon. She has exercised the demons. Exercise the demons. Um, this house is clear. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so, uh, Father Quinn basically, you know, speaks with the card cardinal, speaks with Mother Superior, um, and agree to allow her to take part in the classes. While she's not there in any official capacity, she is permitted to learn and observe these classes. Um, yeah, so. Actually, I think I mixed mixed up those events, but it's not really the the, the order of those particular events isn't especially important. Just the fact that she's able to observe these, you know, tr this this exorcism training, which is just something that's that they they say has never been allowed in the Catholic Church. We we come to find out that it isn't necessarily true, but first time in what three hundred years, I think she says, yeah, something like that. Um, anyway, so that's that's the basic premise. Um, I don't want to give too much away. Um, what do you think? So this movie kind of like toys with the idea of like gender roles and how like, you know, maybe the reason Sister Anne is able to look at things from a compassionate standpoint or a more... Uh, you know, emotional standpoint is because she's a woman as opposed to every other person in this school is a man. Right. But it also doesn't really get into that deep enough for it to be a story point. 
Yeah, it doesn't really clarify if it's anything to do with her being a woman or if she just has some kind of inherent ability to connect with people on a, on a deeper level. And, you know, it's, it's, there's a lot of overhanging tradition, you know, talking about how there, there's a, at one point where the Cardinals given her hell and, you know, that's somebody in, in the church. That's somebody you don't want to fuck with. It's right. the Cardinal. Um, is, uh, and he's, he's given her hell and basically saying, you think you know better than a church that, exi- that has existed for centuries? And it's like, yeah, yeah. I think personally, my first inclination would be to say yes, but <laughs> you know, if if I was in the church, I would probably say no, right? Or feel like a real jackass. Yeah. Um. So yeah, whether or not that's necessarily something, if it's speaking about gender roles, or if it's speaking about, like I said, just kind of like these ancient traditions that haven't evolved with time. Uh, it's, it, it, it don't, they don't make that particularly clear. Yeah. And I feel like that's kind of an overarching problem with this movie is there's kind of a lot of things that just kind of dangle out there and never really like never grow roots. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's something I kind of, I noticed, but also wasn't too upset with that. It was not making a. Um, not making a, a political thing out of it. Yeah, I mean, it's a fine line between like if, it, but it, like if you're going to make that a message, you're good. You, you got to make it a message. Yeah, lean into it. Yeah, don't pussyfoot around it. Right. Like, so that was that was my biggest complaint. And like I said, it seemed like there was there was kind of a lot of stuff in this movie where they just kind of tiptoed lines as opposed to it's like we we want to. We want to make a message, but don't want to piss off anybody. Like, yeah, maybe not a message per se, but it's like whatever it might be. It seemed like they they had a hard time really kind of locking down what they wanted the movie to to say or to be. Yeah, yeah, there wasn't a lot of um, sexism, at least not as much as I would have expected. Yeah. Um, it like was, it feels like the marketing of the movie too is very much like she's the first woman exorcist in however long, and like yeah, girl power. Yeah, and, and you know this takes place in the in the kind of the conclusion, but it's also in the trailer, so it's not much of a spoiler. At one point, she puts on you know priestly robes. I mean to you know perform an exorcism, mm-hmm. which you know they're. I don't believe there are any female priests. I don't think that exists. I don't know for sure. I'm the wrong person to ask. (laughs) No, I I, I don't. You know, I have family who's Catholic, so I know some some things about Catholicism, but I'm not obviously in it, so I don't really know the intricacies or how the church has evolved, if you know, if at all. Um, But yeah, like to your point, there's there's not a lot of. The, the kind of like the sexism and, and barriers that I would have thought would exist in, in something like this, you know, a, a, a nun wanting to learn uh, the the rites of exorcism, which has been, you know, a, a tradition that's been pass, passed down to priests only, so, you know, men only, 
and just kind of what a, uh, 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 earth shaking thing that would be for the church, for, for a woman to start practicing those things. Right. And it just, it didn't really like, you know, when, when she comes to class and starts, you know, sitting in with the priests to, to learn these things, it seems like there's one priest who kind of turns his nose up a little bit. But, you know, you'd think you'd have a, a, a room of, of men just offended. Yeah, like gasping and just kind of uh, off-put. Yeah. But it just doesn't really happen. No. And, like, that strikes me so weird in, in a church that's been historically so conservative. So, I just... Again, it's it, I just feel like there's things about this movie that don't really take root as much as they should. Right. Yeah, like you said, like there's one priest who's kind of just like, hmm, a girl, I don't know about this. <laughs> but yeah, you'd think it would be like, everyone would be just... A woman? Yeah, exactly. Everyone would just be like, there's a, a female? That, how is that possible? Right. Like, Just imagine if they saw her wearing the collar. Oh, man, imagine if they saw her ankles. <laughs> and that was another weird thing to me. She would walk into the school without her um, habit. Oh, yeah. I didn't think of that. It's just, you know, I mean, not anything. She wasn't wearing anything really appropriate, just not. Right. She wasn't walking in a crop top and Daisy Dukes or right. nothing. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, you, you find out stuff about her history. How I mean, a lot of people find religion after a questionable trauma life <laughs> oh Lord, yeah which we find Anne, both both Anne. i mean we again with the the trauma with her her mother is as as a ute um you say ute <laughs> what's a ute uh and also there's another priest who we find was a, a member of a gang um at one point so yeah it's just like you know we're none of us perfect the van buren boys <laughs> um <laughs> anyway uh it's not the sign was when i was banging <laughs> um yeah yeah but i mean as far as the story itself wasn't too bad. Uh, I mean, the the acting was good. And acting was good. Visuals were good. Like a lot of the, uh, you know, exor- exorcism scenes and possession scenes and stuff were uh, really interesting. Of course, the on the poster and the thing that everyone's seen is the girl swallowing her own hair. Right. That was that was kind of cool because, like, like I said, like you know, and she manages to connect with this girl and kind of bring her back out to the surface and suppress the demon, but the demon just like. Fuck you, as demons do. Yeah, sure. And knocks her down to the ground and starts like vacuuming her own hair into her into her mouth. And like you got these two priests trying to pull the hair back out, and eventually get to the end, and there's just like this demon hand sticking out of this girl's mouth. Yeah, I expected it to like give her the finger. <laughs> um, like that was a little hokey. Giving her the finger would have been really hokey. Yeah, that would have been like Evil Dead. <laughs> exactly. Shit. I was just gonna say that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's impossible anymore to make an Exorcism movie that doesn't get compared to The Exorcist. Sure. But, like, I think The Exorcist really taught 
us, at least in in my opinion, that less is more in these kind of movies. Yeah. Like, I mean, I said it when we talked about The Exorcist, but to me, the freakiest part of the whole movie is when Reagan goes, in time. Right. I don't know why. That just chills me. (laughs) Well, it's just like, that part, I mean, without starting to review a completely different movie, uh, that part, that line especially is so unsettling because it's clear that demon is just like, yeah, I can do that shit, but I, I don't have to do it f- for you. I'm not performing monkey. Yeah, it, basically, yeah. It's like, yeah, maybe I'll do it. Maybe maybe I won't. Yeah, like we're doing things on my time. Yeah. On, on my like, schedule. And I don't, I don't think Father Damien really absorbed that <laughs> yeah that's another thing like the, the priests in this movie are kind of just like oh yeah that'll happen because <laughs> i feel like in like you know i I'm not to compare it to the exorcist but like even father karen right he that was the old one the old one yeah um who you know he was an old old man he'd been around forever he'd seen everything even he still when they were exercising reagan was just like this is fucked up right <laughs> And yeah, like that that's that is a funny thing about this movie is that exorcism has always been something it's like all right, and like I don't know if these schools actually exist. This may have been a complete fabrication. But it's in like a lot of exorcism movies and as far as I knew how the church worked, basically the Vatican would send out a, a representative to analyze the situation and then report back to the to the Vatican. Yeah. And say, okay, no, I think this is a question of mental health, something else, you know, sickness of some kind. Uh or, you know, say, yeah, I think this is a good candidate for exorcism. The exorcism basically had to be signed off by the Vatican. But here at these schools, it's just commonplace it seems like because they they're they're so un afraid of it i guess pretty much yeah like i mean they it's like they almost look at it from a scientific point of view even though it's a very <laughs> religious thing right yeah i mean the idea of somebody like the idea of a of a supernatural entity possessing somebody marin not Karen. I combined the two. It's Karis and Mary. Yeah. When you said it, I guess I was doing the same thing in my head. Um, Anyway. uh, But yeah, these, these, these priests and, you know, exorcists in training, it's just like, oh yeah, you know, another day at the office. Right. Like I said, they just got these, uh, this hospital clinic for, for lack of a better term of potentially possessed individuals and they're just treating them like they're like they're you know mental patients mm-hmm. it's like that's so weird right but also kind of interesting to see it kind of represented differently how like you know again saying bring the church out of the dark ages it's like you know that was then this is how we do things now we approach it scientifically first faithful you know w- you know with faith Second, yeah. So it, it it's that's how it should be. Sh- well, sure, yeah. Um. So it, it it's 
I guess not what we expect to see, you know, especially following things like The Exorcist. Yeah. But it has merits, I think. Sure. And yeah, uh, overall, this this was not a bad movie at all. No, I don't think it's bad. But I, I do think that it had potential to be better than it was. Though. Well, sure. It was also hindered and, you know, kneecapped by being a PG-13 movie. Well, yeah. That's never good. And I was very apprehensive going into this, knowing that it was a PG-13. Yeah. But it, it actually... Which you're not going to get lines like, your mother sucks cocks in hell in a PG-13 movie. Sure, yeah. <laughs> or, you know, a girl, a possessed little girl masturbating. Your mother so socks that smell. <laughs> yeah, a, a little girl just stabbing her crotch with a cross. With a crucifix. Yeah, yeah. it's probably not going to happen. But um, no, I, I think this was uh, an interesting modern look at exorcism. You know, the the uh, accuracy or, or truthfulness of what goes on within the church, you know, being in question, I, I, I don't know one way or the other. They'd probably never tell anyway. That's true. Um, but the, the concept of just having these you know, auxiliary locations where they can just practice franchises. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, just practice uh, um, exorcism instead of having, again, to report everything back to the Vatican. And of course, like, you know, the Vatican's still like the hub. They talk about how, like, it's HQ. Yeah. Yeah. If they, <laughs> if they, they talk about how, if the anybody, Vatican is corporate, right? <laughs> well, I mean, it's not the first time that the Catholic Church has been referred to as the most successful business in in history. Um, but uh, yeah, they talk about it in the movie how like if they can't save somebody in in one of these auxiliary schools, that they then send them to Rome to go to the Vatican. Yeah, um, and. Uh, yeah, it seems like that doesn't usually work out well for them, but that's that's another story. Um, anything else to add? Not really. Okay. Yeah, uh, it's it's not a bad movie at all. It's it's very watchable. Um, it's I'm sure it's a tight ninety. Yeah, it's. I think it's ninety two. Yeah, not too long, not too short. It covers everything pretty well. There, there's a few. Things that are kind of left hanging, um, like the end seemed a little too simple, a little too neat. Yeah, uh, it kind of leaves on like a. I, I will say the very end is a little hokey. Yeah, um, the, like the like literally the last scene is just a little. That was kind of dumb. <laughs> <laughs> but aside from that, it's all it's it, like I said, it's a very watchable movie. Um, and you know, it's, it's PG 13, so it's not gonna, you know, scar anybody too b- badly unless it's, you know, your Catholic grandmother. Um, but, uh, yeah, pretty good. Um, I get a seven. Um, yeah, I, I would say it's perfectly adequate. Sure. So uh, I'm going to give it a five. Fair. 
just kind of right down the middle. Like I said, I think it had the potential to be better. Yeah. But so it's not just saying, you know, like, oh, this movie should be better if they did the things that I want it to do. But yeah. like, I think there were things in it that if explored further could have made the movie better. Yeah. And, you know, it's like I say, it's a PG-13 and you kind of expect a certain level of things in a PG-13 horror. Um, but I, I don't know if being rated R would necessarily would have been better because, you know, the things you maybe would expect to see in a rated R movie, I think would maybe seem a little out of place in this or unnecessary. Yeah. So, yeah. It's. I mean, like the exorcism scenes are already like fairly brutal to watch. It's yeah. not like I mean, other than like them, I don't know, breaking off parts of their body or something. I don't. Know. Yeah, I mean, there's not. Wait, they could have done that was much more gruesome. There's not any like blood or guts. No, but there didn't need to be. No. Um. Yeah, and a lot of the stuff is all CGI, so you kind of. It's just you know it's CGI, so it's when when that happens, you kind of disconnect from it a little yeah. bit. But anyway. So there you go. Yeah, like I said, it's still in theaters. Um, I don't know. It just came out, so like, I, or no, it didn't. Yeah, D- this week. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, you could probably get another week or two at least out of it before he just disappears, depending on how successful it is, I guess. Yeah. But so there you go. There you go. Well, up next uh, is not in theaters. You don't have to go anywhere as long as you have Hulu. Because it's the Hulu. Hulu. <laughs> it's the 2022 uh, new adaptation, I guess. Hellraiser. Beautiful, isn't it? It's really nice. You can hold it. What is it? It's a puzzle. And it's almost finished. Keep going. So if I solve it, do I get a prize? I do. Six sides, six configurations. It opens up and it cuts you. And then they come to collect. So this is, like I said, a new adaptation of um, The Hellbound Heart, right? the book by Clive Barker. Uh, it starts out with there's a party being thrown 
by this super rich guy uh, named Roland Voigt. Roland shit. (laughs) Roland shit and his wife, Jocelyn. Um, Roland Voigt. There's this, uh, this sex worker named Joey who this, I guess at the beginning, there's this very short, uh, cold open in Bulgaria. So we're, no, some Eastern Bloc country. I don't, yeah. I, fuck, no, I don't remember. I don't recall exactly um, where Bosnia. Was it Bosnia? I think it was Bosnia. Okay. But like this woman comes up to this guy who's sitting on a bench and hands him a case full of money. He hands her a case. We don't know what's in it. That's it. That's the whole opening. But the guy does quickly say, you know, like, I thought Mr. Voigt might come himself. So we know this woman is working for Mr. Voigt. Right. But so this woman sees this guy, Joey, at the party, says there's a room. It's a big fuck party. It is. It is a big fuck party. Like Joey walks by one room and he looks inside and there's just a, there's a shunting going on. <laughs> 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 and she says, you know, there's there's a room down the hall or whatever, like big double doors be there in 10 minutes. And he's like, oh, I got to bang this old lady. <laughs> but he does it because it's his job. Yeah, you do your job. He's a man of his word. <laughs> so he goes in this room, and it's this big, giant room, and there's all these different uh, art pieces and stuff all around. It's basically like a museum in this guy's house. Mm-hmm. And he sees one that we recognize as the puzzle box, but it's not in the lament configuration, which is you know the cube. It's in the Lazarus configuration. <sighs> I don't remember the names or the or the or the configuration. I think it was the fifth one, out of six. Yeah, it must have been. The, yeah, it must have been the second to last one. Yeah, which I, th- I think is the Lazarus configuration. But it's uh, it's almost almost like an hourglass shape, but like kind of longer in the middle. And he he picks it up and he's looking at it, and all of a sudden Roland Voigt comes out, and he's like, you know, beautiful, isn't it, or whatever. And this guy, Joey, is just like, well, what is it? He says, uh, it's a puzzle. And so Joey kind of starts turning stuff on it. And he says, if I figure it out, do I get a prize? And Mr. Void is just like, I do. <laughs> and I figure at that point, I'd be like, I'm just going to put this down, right? It's like, like, so I don't get anything out of this. There's really no point in me continuing to play with this. <laughs> but but he, he does seem kind of hypnotized by it. That's true. As most, like pretty much every... Hellraiser movie, whoever plays with the Lament configuration just seems to become entranced by it. I mean, <clears throat> even like in real life, it's one of those things where it's like if you pick up a Rubik's Cube and you play with it a little bit and then someone comes by and it's just like, hey, if you win that, I get a prize. You're like, hmm, I've already started. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm really close. I'm just going to go ahead and do it anyways. <laughs> like now I have to. Now it's a mission. It's personal now. Maybe you'll share with me. <laughs> but yeah, he starts turning stuff on it, and all of a sudden this blade comes out, stabs him in the hand. He's just like, what did you do to me? But the box turns it's into... Ouch, bro. Ouchies. The box turns into like a big diamond shape, which is the uh, Leviathan configuration. And... Uh, 
we see these chains come out and grab. Actually, it's kind of cool how it happens. We see Voight putting the the box on a, a pedestal, and you just in the background you see these chains go flying up from off screen to off screen. And then we see Joey get it ripped apart. Yeah, just out of focus. Yeah. And Voight is like screaming to the heavens about like grant me this. Uh, just says he demands an audience. An with, audience, yeah. Thank you. With Leviathan, yeah. Who we? I mean, even if you've never read the Hellbound Heart, you know from previous Hellraiser movies that Leviathan is basically the god that the Cenobites serve under, right? Uh, so we fast forward six years. We are introduced to Riley. Who we were introduced to her as she's just being banged, <laughs> and just getting it, uh, yeah. And the guy is just like, "You like that?" And she's like, "I love it." And he's like, "I love you." And she's like, "Stop." <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "Oh, I shouldn't have done that." <laughs> I mean, no, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, shut up, take it, <laughs> bit. Bitch, bitch. <laughs> Too much? Too much? <laughs> but Riley goes out into the living room, and her brother and his boyfriend and her roommate are all there. And she's just like, oh, you heard us fucking. Have you ever been in that situation? No. It's, it's uh, awkward. <laughs> I bet. It's like, hey, guys, we weren't doing anything. <laughs> Oh, we were watching porn. <laughs> that's that's not better. <laughs> Maybe that's worse. <laughs> Just gotcha. <laughs> uh but her her boyfriend, um Trevor, he he leaves because it's super awkward. And Riley's brother starts just kind of giving her the business. Saying that this guy's, you know, he he doesn't like Trevor, and that they, he says, who would date someone from the program? And I couldn't figure out if they were both in AA or just her. Yeah, both of them. Both of them were okay. Yeah. Uh, I think they're probably NA. Oh yeah, I guess it could be. Or, you know, they don't re- specify recovery of some kind. Yeah, they don't specify. But I mean, I mean. We see Trevor drinking throughout the movie, so right. if he's in AA, he's not doing a very good job. Right. <laughs> but she talks about, I mean, it's it's not really exposition, I guess, because they, but the way they talk about it, uh, her brother, Matthew, Matt, says, you know, I, I can't keep covering your rent. She says, uh, you know, tips have been really bad lately. I'm, I'm doing my best. And so... She's talking to Trevor the next day, and he says, you know, I, I've got this idea. He's like a, not an arts dealer, but he delivers art to people. So I guess he works for art dealers, and he says that there's this one place where he used to drop off stuff, and it's completely abandoned. There's nobody there. Mm-hmm. And he says, I still know the code, so we could just go in and take whatever's there and sell it. And, you know, I'll split, split it with you 50-50 if you want to help me out. And Riley's not too sure about this, but eventually she she agrees to do it. 
So they go to this place, get inside, break open the safe, and inside is the limit configuration, the puzzle box. And she's like, you know, it's got to be worth something. I'll take it if you don't want it. And Trevor's just like, yeah, all right, go ahead, whatever. So uh, she goes home, and she's she's drunk. Her and uh, Trevor were drinking. I'm so, drunk? You're drunk? Everybody's drunk. Her and Matt were drinking some liquid courage before breaking into this place. As you do. Sure. <laughs> Probably. But Matt is just like, you know, sleep it off in the morning, pack your shit and get out. Yeah. And she's just like, you know, if you want to kick me out, do it with some fucking balls. So he's like, all right, get the fuck out of my house. How about that? So she leaves, decides to go sleep in a public park. Fair. She like briefly considers sleeping in her car and then decides to go to the park instead. And I'm like... What was wrong with the car? <laughs> but she, uh, she like takes some pills. So she, whatever addiction thing she's in, she's not doing a very good job. Right. She takes some pills and she's like playing with the box. And this blade pops out, but the way she's holding it, the blade doesn't hit her. So now it's just out there. And Matt tracks her down and he grabs the box and cuts himself. She ODs. Well, yeah, she passes out. I guess we don't really know that she ODs per se, but. I mean, I guess I kind of assumed she did, but I don't, I guess I don't know. But she also starts seeing the Cenobites. Right. Before that happens. Then she passes out and uh, Matt finds her, grabs the box, cuts himself. And so then he like carries her to a public, this public restroom, sits her down outside and says, you know, just wait here. Stay awake. Goes in to wash off his hands and we we never see him again. We hear him scream and then he just kind of disappears. Right. And the cops are just like, you know, asking her all these questions. She's like, you know, I don't know. I don't remember. And the cops are basically useless as cops in these movies often are. Right. They're saying, you know, oh, like, oh, there was some blood in the sink and there was, it's not enough to go off of. It's like, really? DNA? Is that still a thing? Yeah, right? Like, <laughs> um, but so they're on this mission to find Matt. Uh, Riley, like, finds out about Voight via the internet. They go to his house, which is now abandoned. Or so they think. Um, it's funny cause like she breaks into his house and I'm just like, she's essentially homeless. So I'm like, my first thought would be like, I'm going to stay here. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Like this is a nice fucking house. Yeah. And she, like, like I said, she's essentially homeless. It's like fucking Wayne Manor. It's just, just palatial estate. This is not being used at all. Yeah. Mine's now. Yeah. It even has electricity somehow. That's a good point. I didn't think of that. Like, who's been paying the bills? <laughs> maybe it's in a trust. Who knows? Maybe. Or maybe he had it on uh, automatic Auto withdrawal. <laughs> <laughs> and he just got so much money that it doesn't matter. Um, yeah, so like the Cenobites are 
following her, um, you know, she meets Pinhead, who basically tells her that the box has to feed on five different people. She's and like she gets cut, and but Pinhead basically gives her the the choice. Says she can choose someone else to be the sacrifice. And I mean, if you've seen Hellraiser, you kind of you know know the deal that she's uh like basically the the Cenobites are going to come every time the box uh feeds every time it Changes. stabs somebody every time it tastes somebody somebody's blood yeah every time and it, and it changes configuration yeah every so. time it changes configuration a blade pops out yeah and presumably stabs whoever activated it and it's like from what i gather either like it can be physically changed or if it feeds then it automatically changes is that right i don't i don't think so but who knows cuz like every time the cenobites would come and tear somebody apart the the thing would move and change on it on its own did it yeah hmm. it you know it full disclosure i totally forgot this was on our schedule and watched it like 2 weeks ago and it's like <sighs> i didn't rewatch it no, I'm just like I remember enough about it to to get through it. Because yeah, there was even a point where somebody I don't remember who it was, but they asked Riley how she turned it into that configuration, and she was just like, "It did it on its own." Okay. So yeah, I don't know exactly like if you have to manually do the configuration to get the blade to pop out, or if it's just every time you move it. I mean i I would have thought that it would be you have to move the configuration to get the blade to pop out because I don't know. I mean, that, that doesn't make sense because you know, you, you change the configuration, the blade pops out and it stabs you and then it changes configuration again. So what point does the blade pop out? Well, yeah, cause it's not any movement. We know that cause she does several movements before the blade pops out. Right. But she also doesn't, put it into the next configuration. Cause when, when the blade first pops out on Riley, it's still in the lament configuration. It's still just a, just a cube. Cause it's true. She, didn't she do, like, she, she doesn't do like the first motion, like the, the sp- she like twists the corners and like does, yes, yeah, she like moves the thing in the center and eventually like the sides pop out. And then when she pushes the sides back in, that's when the blade pops out. Okay. I don't know. That's, and then after it stabs Matt, then it, it automatically moves into the next configuration. Hmm. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it seems kind of inconsistent. Um. Yeah, I guess without getting into too many details, that's kind of kind of the meat of it. Um. Yeah. Basically, Riley just kind of becomes the target of the Cenobites. Basically, uh, I don't. I don't recall if. Yeah, just hell or you know, Pinhead, as we've become, if if we have come to know it, (laughs) is which is referred to as Pinhead in this one. Well, not not in the movie, but in the credits, is it? I believe so. I thought it was just Priest. Yeah, the Priest. Oh, okay. I could have sworn that. 
but it's fucking Pinhead. And like, yeah, everyone knows it as Pinhead at this point. Yeah, and, and you know, as has been covered to death, is played by Jamie Clayton. So a uh, a gender change. Yeah. Um, I'm really curious though how like how people are reacting to like it's like oh, I can't believe that they made Pinhead a woman. But also, it's a trans woman, and so like I feel like the same people who are complaining that it'd be a woman would be saying that she's still a man. Yeah, that's why people like that have their heads so far up their <laughs> fucking asses they don't even know what they're talking about anymore. Right. <clears throat> also, like watching the movie, it's so inconsequential. The like gender? what Pinhead's gender is. Yeah, and like you can't even really tell. Like I mean. It's it's obviously a woman. There's the features and stuff, but it's like Pinhead's not you know wearing a ball gown or something. Like it's still Pinhead yeah. with all the pins in the head, bald head. Uh, like her throat is like ripped open, and like her chest is ripped open. So it's not like there's any like real defining features going on. Yeah, Although, I, the the Cenobites have a very noticeably different look to them Mm -hmm. they're not like the leather bound you know s&m type cenobites like they were in the original franchise right they are very fleshy Um, i mean essentially nude um but they're like have a lot of scarification a lot of um a lot of flaying flaying, going on yeah. yeah and yeah like you know Pinhead. I'm, I put this on Facebook. People who call uh, Michael Myers the shape are as obnoxious or more obnoxious than people who call Pinhead the, the hell priest or lead Cenobite. Well, actually. Or Frankenstein, you know, complain about calling Frankenstein's monster Frankenstein. Just quit being a fucking dick. Like, nobody's impressed. <laughs> That's like someone being like, do you need a Kleenex? It's like, well, actually, these are facial tissues. Yeah. <laughs> it's How about a Q-tip? You mean a cotton swab? There's a word for that. Like when a brand basically becomes the noun. Like, yeah. Like Velcro? Yeah. like yeah. The, there, There's a name for that, but I don't know what it is. You are correct. <laughs> <laughs> there is a name for it, and you also don't know the name. I'm guessing neither do you, or you no, would have said don't. it by now. <laughs> but no, yeah. I, I do know that there is a name for it, but I, I can't think of what it is. Um, but yeah, the the look of the Cenobites is very different. Um, the the most prominent Cenobite in this one is one called the Gasp, um, and like it almost looks like a alien from like Deep Space Nine or something. Like, <laughs> um, it's got like this weird fleshy hood kind of thing. Well, it. It looks like Evangelique from Hellraiser 4, where basically the skin split open over the skull and then pulled down over the shoulders. Yeah. that's. I think that's what was going on with this, too. But, and then, like, a lot of piercings in its face. Yeah. We do see the chatterer in this one, but with a different, little bit different look. Mm-hmm. Um, the look was interesting of the Cenobites yeah yeah definitely different I prefer the old Cenobites I bet Clyde Barker does too I mean probably I mean he he, he, 
He directed the first movie. Yeah. So the Cenobites in that movie are how he wanted them to look. Right. One would assume. All the Hellraiser and Pinhead comic books. Is Clive Barker like into S&M? Is that a known thing? Or is that just something that we'd imagine based on the Hellraiser stuff? No, yeah, he, he has. He is. He is okay. he's, he's openly a, into it? Yeah. Okay. He, he, I, I think he would just, you know, in the 80s and maybe, I don't, I don't know how far back that kind of trend goes, but he would, yeah, frequent BDSM go, groups or okay. uh, clubs and stuff. Um, and that's, that's kind of where he got the inspiration, just bordering the, the, uh, the balance between pleasure and pain. And that's kind of the whole premise of, of Hellraiser. Yeah. And that's another point. I don't think that is really part of this at all. I mean, it's kind of addressed towards the end, but not in, it's like almost done in such kind of a passing way Yeah, that it didn't it almost didn't need to be there at all right yeah it's uh but they also like i mean i'm gonna try and say this without giving away too much but basically someone says that no matter because once you get to the final configuration you get to choose basically which tier you want and it's like you know there's power sensation Ah, uh, like I don't, I don't remember any of the other ones. I think love was one of them. Love, lament, Lazarus, Lazarus, which is resurrection, right? Um, but yeah, you you get to pick and and this, Le- this and Leviathan obviously. and Leviathan, yeah. And this this person basically says that it doesn't matter what you pick because all they're going to give you is pain. But like just before that, Pinhead kind of alludes to. Your pain is our pleasure. Yeah. Well, not necessarily your pain is our pleasure, but like what you consider pain, we consider pleasure. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's but it's like I said, it's so like brief and passing that it's not really like a plot point. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, one of the things that, that, uh, I mean, that, that is a, a, a primary premise of like, I've never read the Hellbound Heart, you know, to be completely honest. So I don't know. What kind of intricacies are in there? How much it differs from the original Hellraiser versus this Hellraiser? Where the differences lie? But in the original Hellraiser movie, especially the first two, it's all about you know exploring that line between pleasure and pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, for pleasure right <laughs> use that at the end okay um and you know just like you know like uh in in uh, the second one or in, in um hellraiser 2 you know he says you know no tears please it's you know it's a waste, it's a waste of, good of good suffering, suffering. Yeah. um you know that kind of stuff where it's just like and like Again, in the second one, where, um, fuck, what's his name? Blanchard has Tina complete the the box, and the Hellraisers, or the Hellraisers, (laughs) the Cenobites come for Blanchard and say, well, no, she completed the box. 
he says we don't come or the, the box does not call us we we're we're fuck I'm, I'm fucking up this line but basically saying we're not co- summoned by the box we're summoned by desire mm. um and you know because yeah, i mean there's a part in this too where uh somebody the Cenobites come for somebody and riley says i didn't choose him and i think it's the gasp says and yet he was chosen yeah it's kind of the same thing a little um but yeah i just i think those things that kind of made the original hellraiser i should i should limit this to say the first two hellraiser movies because it started to kind of venture away from that in in like in third movie beyond maybe revisited a little bit in the fourth one but rest of the series just completely abandoned that whole premise of it being you know very uh sexual Mm -hmm. uh and again just exploring kind of the depths of the human experience or you know just the experience of pleasure and pain and kind of where those intersect um and I just think a lot of that stuff was not really in this one, and I, I feel it kind of abandoned the, um, the 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 feel of the original. Yeah, I agree. <clears throat> but no, the the Cenobites, like while I do prefer the original ones, they they were cool looking. Uh the the whole fl- fleshy look, and you know, like I said, scarification and flaying, and, and you know, decorative piercings and stuff. Um, that was definitely. Uh, very it looked looked cool on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, I think um, Pinhead actually had. So I one thing I do know about the Hellbound Heart is that uh, Pinhead is described as having pins with that are like jeweled on the end, and I'm pretty sure that Pinhead actually did have jewels on the ends. Oh, really? I didn't notice. I, I think I'd have to watch it again to be sure. But um, so that's kind of something that's I noticed. Like the gasps gasps piercings didn't look metal. Like at least the part, the little balls on the ends look like they were like clear, like maybe like a pearl or something. Like, yeah, yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, the the one thing I did like more in this than than the originals was the the box, just you know because it has twenty first century, you know, technology behind it. You know, you CGI mainly. The box was much more. Of a character, yeah, you know the different configurations, the way it would actually show it changing in in you know changing shape. In the original, it basically had, you know, just in the days of practical effects, you know, you had multiple boxes that did one thing. You know, like you'd have the one box that has the part come up, spin, spin back, and come back down. Another one where like maybe the side would turn, you know. All that was all CGI now, but it, it was all that and more. And so the, the lament configuration itself was just much cooler. <laughs> yeah. Um. And yeah. Yeah, it's not bad. Um, I ha- I haven't really looked at any other reviews. So I don't really know how it's being received. It seems um, mixed. Overall, I thought I thought it was pretty decent. Yeah. It was, it's, it's definitely not like better than the original. No, and I, I, I also have not read the Hellbound Heart, which I know is a shock to everyone. <laughs> um, 
so I, I don't know how this compares to it versus the original, but like, I mean, obviously the original Clive Barker's book, Clive Barker's movie. So I have to imagine the original is closer, but, uh, I thought this, this was perfectly, I don't want to say perfectly adequate because that's what I called the last movie, but this, this was, a. I don't know. It's hard to say a reboot is like in line with the series because it's not a sequel. Yeah, but I thought it was, it was, it was a decent movie. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a it's a readaptation. Yeah, from from what I understand, which we've we've covered before, I, I can't think of one off the top of my head, but we, we've we've done readaptations before. Pet uh, Cemetery. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, Except that one was doo doo. It. It, yeah. Um, so, you know, two Stephen King movies. <laughs> the uh, Shining. Sure. With Brian from Winx. <laughs> um, but, yeah. I, it's, it's hard to say that I, you know, one's better than the other. I prefer the original, and maybe that's just kind of legacy and, you know, my own experience watching them mm-hmm. but no I, I would definitely say i prefer the original but that's not to say this one is bad like most reboots let's face it are bad yeah this this one is not bad yeah and in fact know, i might even go so far as to say it's good sure see it's not great i'm not gonna rave about it yeah you know see it's it's two hours long yeah and it's very long. Like it's like you sit there and it's long. It, I mean, not meaning like on the clock it's long. It feels long. Mm-hmm. It feels like it just drags at some point. That's true. And you know, one complaint that I do have to fight back against is like people are like, "Oh, the Cenobites and you know Pinhead don't even appear until like you know three quarters of the way through the movie." It's like, have you seen the original? Right. <laughs> They're barely in it. Yeah. Godzilla's barely in Godzilla. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, people just have these, you know, fuzzy memories of the of the movies they grew up watching and just don't know how to actually look at things the way they are. Yeah. But um yeah. No, I mean like and you know, Jamie Clayton, she did a a really good job as Pinhead. The voice. I had a problem with. I could not understand it at points. Yeah. It's so like overly produced and like there's like an echo and a uh, all kinds of different effects on it and it was a little too much in my opinion. Yeah. Um and you know nothing is ever going to be Doug Bradley's pinhead. Oh sure. It's just it's too iconic. Yeah. And that that'll never change. Um but and personally, Riley wasn't that inter- that that interesting of a character to me. Yeah, Seems like the, to have the whole, almost the entire movie carried by her. And, and uh, Odessa Azion or Azion, um, who is actually Pavel Adlon's daughter. For those who didn't know, who's that? Pamela Adlon. Yeah. She, she she's an actress. Um she she's the one who voiced uh, Bobby Hill. Oh, okay. <laughs> a, a, a comedic actress for the most part. Um but yeah. Oh. 
Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, I hate that this is the first thing that comes to my mind, but from the Louis C.K. show. Yeah. Well, I think her and Louis used to actually be friends. I mean, I think a lot of people in Louis used to be friends. Sure. Yeah. Um, but she's she's a she's a fine actress. It just yeah, it wasn't anything against her. It was just the character. Yeah, I, just, I think the character wasn't all that interesting. Yeah, and and like it was one of those things, this this happens a lot in movies with drug addict main characters, where that doesn't really serve a purpose. Yeah. Like it wasn't some like redemption moment or anything, but it was just like you have to have this broken character, and the easiest way to do that is to have them be a drug addict, and then yeah. they end up saving the day. So it's that's the redemption arc. But it's like, why did they have to be a drug addict for that to happen? Yeah, like look at Kirsten from the first two movies. She was just a girl. Yeah, like, there's nothing too special about her. She just had a fucking shitty uncle who stole her dad's skin, and a shitty stepmom who helped. That was really her only flaw. Aside from that, she was just a normal, everyday American girl. Yeah, there's no, like, you know, big moment where she, like, you know, throws away the pills or anything like that. Like, I mean, there is, and then she picks them up and takes them. <laughs> right. So. Uh, and that's the at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you on that. But, yeah, it's... Uh, it's fine. I, you know... You you say you might go as far as to say it's good. I'd say it was adequate. <laughs> like I said, it's not great, and it's not like anything that I'm going to rave about. I'm not going to go out and you know text people and be like, "Have you watched Hellraiser yet?" It's so good. Like, but it's perfectly fine. Yeah, it's um, it's watch worthy. Sure. I honestly, I don't think I'd watch it again. I probably wouldn't watch it again. But Just because I don't really care that much. I'd rather go watch the old Hellraisers. Right, yeah, it's not... I'm not upset that I watched it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, and there are people out there just ranting and raving, either about having, you know, the, the concept of having a female hell, um, female um, pinhead, or having a trans pinhead, or... Uh, you know, just the the audacity of making, uh, you know, remaking Hellraiser, um, and then there are of course people out there that, you know, just like this is what Hellraiser needed was a was, was a reboot, and you know somebody who did did it right, and you know from what I understand, Clive, Clive Barker gave his blessing with this, like he seemed to in, enjoy it, and I think he's commented saying that like, um he would like to write a story in in this universe or something along those lines. <laughs> um, so, I mean, as far as the creator of the, of the franchise, it's, it's, it's high praise. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's like the, the golden seal of approval. Like that's, yeah. the, that's the one you want. Yeah. It, it, if I was the film, um, David Bruckner's who directed this. And if I was him hearing that, that's, that'd be all I That's needed. a win. Yeah. yeah. So, Anyway, um, is that it? That's it. I'll say six. Uh, um, I'll say seven. Okay. Okay. All right, guys. We did it. Hey. First episode back after October, and we made it without collapsing 
five weeks, five weeks in a row, guys. It's been a long, hard, dirty road. Hope you're enjoying this. <laughs> Hope you love it. Hope you like what you see. And not love it too much where you're like, you guys should do weekly. <laughs> That's not going to happen. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Ever. Um, <laughs> if we ever went weekly, you would find a very diminished show. It would be a very different podcast. Yeah. Like we would maybe do like, I don't know why I'm spitballing here, but like probably <laughs> what we'd end up doing is like one episode of horror business and one episode of reviews. Just probably flip yeah. flop. But that's too much fucking work. I mean, we'd probably just record it in one swing anyway. Probably. Yeah. The, 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 the post work would be obnoxious. Cause we'd just be doing it. We'd just be working on it all the time. Just doing it and doing just, it and doing it. Well, <laughs> Right. But probably not doing it well because you'd be so tired of it. Yeah, I'd be like, you know, fuck this show. You know what? Intro, outro, done. <laughs> uh, anyway, but we will be back in two weeks. Thank Christ. Um, Taylor, what? Are we, what? Why can't I ever get that out right? Because my tongue is too big. What will we be watching? Yep, it's a lot of W's. It is, and I don't do that very well. Wubba wubba wubba. We will be watching Barbarian finally. Uh, as well as my best friend's exorcist. So more exorcism, exorcism. movies for you. Best friend's exorcism. As exorcism. <laughs> Starring Bash Howard. <laughs> <laughs> like, I've only seen the trailer. I haven't really like read into it at all. But from what I can tell, he is a personal trainer slash exorcist. In in the eighties, so that's just a wild combination. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, look out for that, guys. Uh, it'll be fun. Have a, it'll be a good time. Come join us. Yeah. In the meantime, Taylor, where can people find us? You can find us at Colt. No, at Graveplot Podcast. <laughs> hey, not on the show. <laughs> at GraveplotPodcast.com, as well as wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. Give us five stars. You can also follow us on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube as Grave Plot Podcast or on Twitter as Grave underscore Plot. Also check out GraveplotFilmFest.com for all the news on the upcoming Grave Plot Film Fest, February 4th, 2023. Uh, it's going to be a good time. Tickets on sale now. Also, Patreon.com slash Grave Plot Film Fest for exclusive uh, stuff. Yep. Also, I am Werewolf. You can too. You've heard the quote. Now wear the shirt. Available at store.gravefly.podcast.com. Probably not. <laughs> Unless you put it up there. I don't want to do the work. Just be like Times New Romans. <laughs> it's all the same size. Yeah. <laughs> like broken up words just to fit it all in. <laughs> like one word is like hyphenated and then started on the bot on the next line. <laughs> It's like W-E-R-E-W hyphen O-L-F. <laughs> and then just a really shitty pixelated version of our logo on the back. <laughs> it's all stretched. Yeah. It's like I took an icon and just stretched it. <laughs> and then just like a clip art of a werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. We'll see you next time. Until then, I'm Skeletoni. I'm Taylor of Terror. This has been the Grave Plot Podcast, where we're all a little dead inside. <laughs>